they have no reason to trust me other than the fact that they've known me. And, and they believe in their heart of hearts that I'm going to give them an answer based on their pet's best interest. And if I can do it, I don't have any special skills. I just don't shut up. You know, I've been <laughs> blabbing for so long. That's all it takes. Yeah. It, the bar is really low, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No surgery hands. No surgery yeah. hands. Why is stubby little fingers? Extraordinarily <laughs> Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And this is Dr. Yola Kerbinstein, and we're at part two. Yes. So Jessica left us at a cliffhanger. A moment. major cliffhanger. Yes, we were yes. talking about uh, social media reviews. What to do if you get a bad review? Okay. Can can I can I paint a picture a little bit? So I'm hanging at, at the cliff on a different with cliff? one hand, oh. and it's just scraping a few my nails. This is fascinating. Slowly. I didn't realize I had done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. you had so you had so much to tell us. About. I know. So we were we kind of left it talking about how not to escalate yes. the, the the process, and we were also talking about how hard it is not to get feel personal and how to get in there and want to defend yourself or defend mm-hmm. your colleagues. And so one of the things that um, I've done uh, for our uh, are you going to answer so, the cliffhanger? Now? No, I just want to oh. ask her. Okay, okay. I, I want to ask her what she thinks of this. So one of the things that I've done. Uh, to help us respond to these is I've written out a couple of canned responses that fit common um, situations that are basically like I'm sorry you know you had a bad experience or I'm sorry da 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 uh, my manager will call you you know like it, so I'm trying to de-escalate and take it offline so I've just because it's hard to do them in the moment I've written some canned ones so what do you think of that? I think it's brilliant oh thank you so I actually um I'm sure you're familiar with the brilliant Danielle Lambert. Yeah. Social yeah, media. And we actually awesome. got together and we did the same thing, oh. as, which is a resource that we have for the Veterinary Social Media Group, where she, as a practice manager, said, okay, here are the nine most common complaints. And so what would you say that's canned? And so we came up with these templated responses. And it, it's so, it's so smart because the principles are always the same. Like you said, it... The number one rule with those templates is I don't argue specifics. You want to keep it short. Whatever it was they said, you cannot um, argue with it because now you've just turned it into a he said, she said. And I always tell people, what's the first review as a consumer you look for? It's the one that has like 17 Mm -hmm. chain responses. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to just not say anything about it. Take it offline. It'll make your life so much easier. If you need more than three sentences to respond, you got to reframe how you're thinking of it. Mm, that's great. Like short and sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah. And I usually apologize so in some are way. They? Uh, they're usually two sentences. Oh, okay. I don't even think we go to three. And I just try to build in the po- I don't. I'm Canadian. We apologize for everything. <laughs> but I figure it's never wrong to apologize. And when we first, when I first started to do this, my staff would say, but but we're not wrong. And I'd say, that doesn't matter. It's like, it's the professionalism and your willingness to listen. So I just I'm very sorry. sorry that your boa constrictor died on the table, and then <laughs> it's, it's, please take it off <laughs> offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but honestly, I'll, I'll have to. I'll send you guys 
of what you wrote because I was really proud of it. I like to systematize things. That's yeah. just like the engineer brain and that you can systematize those things. Yeah. And so I'm sorry is always good. Um, you can be sorry for, I'm so sorry I have to answer this review. Like, I mean, that's what you're sorry <laughs> for, it's fine. You're not gonna be sorry for something. Yeah. And, you know, we're more than willing to talk about this Offline. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a cliffhanger. Yes. Or and then, and then you think it's calming and then it's offline. Yes. Doesn't matter. People yeah. know. They know that that's ridiculous, and and yeah. they know that you're giving. I think people know that you're giving a somewhat insincere response. But all they want to know is how, as you as the professional, how do you respond to this unhinged person? Mm. Because if you also become unhinged, then they start to ask themselves, <laughs> well, if I have a legitimate complaint, yeah. it happens. Are you going to be professional or are you also going to be like the restaurant owner who says, well, you were smelly and you obviously have no taste. I can't believe you wouldn't eat the escargot. And it, you cannot act like you're a restaurant owner when you're a veterinarian. Yeah. It's two different professions. I, I, at least I found that a certain number of people that write those reviews um, actually just want a response. Yes. And for most of them, like, that's it. And, you know, and even every now and then I'll get a response posted back that said just thank you very much for taking the time. Are there statistics yeah. on this that we know that of the people that you want to take offline there's like 10% that really call you or? It's interesting. Um, I was talking to Paul Matteris who's the practice manager at Boston Veterinary Clinic. Just a really really great guy and he told me that he calls every bad review and he has um, like a 90% gets taken off in some way, and half of those actually get turned to five-star reviews. Mm. And I said, what's your secret? You refund everyone, you tell them you should start, he said, I just listen. listen. Mm. And they have their say, and he's like, it doesn't matter whether or not I can fix it or not. It's all about, people want to be heard. I mean, mm. that, if there's a theme I've taken away from, from this last conference, everybody wants to be heard. And, and I have to laugh at this, there's nothing that makes someone more angry than when they feel like they're not being heard. And I don't use my Twitter that often, but it's almost exclusively me yelling at airlines. Yeah. Oh my gosh, hey, it's two of us. Yes, three. Yeah, three <laughs> of us, yeah. Should look at our recent posts. And I know that the person on Twitter isn't going to do anything, but I just want them to say, hey, I'm so sorry that we did this to you yet again. Um, yeah, I had a little time really, recently. So. They're, they're really good though, In that, I think the, they the, handle it well. Yes, because you, you know does. why? I, I, the, the, I think that it's also because they're forced to give you a short answer and you yes. expect a short answer. Yes. So Twitter is an ideal complaining area because you cannot go on mm. all the time. You cannot send like a 20 page letter about <laughs> how everything. No, yeah, you can, <laughs> but I mean, uh, but that's that's yeah. not going to work. Nobody reads those. So it's the short answer. So they always say, I'm very sorry that it's happening. What can we do for you? And then you just have to start thinking, oh shit, you know, now I have to write what they can do for me. Right, right, me? right. You know, yeah. Get me a new plane to, and they said, okay, yeah, we can contact, you can contact this number, et cetera. So they are immediately in the helping service suddenly instead of you yeah. bitching about something that doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's very, very clever. We contact most of our unhappy review clients um, as well, and that's our experience too. And you know what? That's not a new concept. So right. pre social media, when the clients walked into your clinic or sent you a letter, whatever you know it was in prehistoric days, that's the same. They just wanted to be heard. You know, mm. they just wanted that. So, uh, 
for our audience, I don't want to paint you as a complete anti-cat person. So <laughs> tell us that it's not the case. <laughs> oh, for, for it it's a cat podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, and it's I, I we honestly we had conversations about yeah. that. The reason the book is called All Dogs Go to Kevin is because it's a play on the Disney movie All Dogs Go to Heaven. And so it wasn't meant, it wasn't intended to be anti-cat. And there are cat stories. I saw plenty of cats in practice. It just, that's what worked for the book. I'm so sorry. And you know what's actually, I've been going back and forth about what I want to call the next book. Um, and I was going to go around the world in 80 space because it was going to be about travel. Okay. However, I still carry my guilt for my cat lover friends and I was debating whether I should actually because my mother is going to feature in the next book if I should call it All Cats Go to Pat. Oh that's would like nice. that. She would like that. Yes. yes. We can do a little poll oh, of our I, audience. Well I feel like your audience has a bias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe yes. Maybe yes. Maybe I don't yes. Know. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't know. I think a lot yeah. of veterinarians listen to us. They both treat cats and dogs. Oh, sure. It's just we don't talk about the D word a lot. Here. Not a lot. No. No. So. And, 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 and we started that because there was not a lot about cats. Yeah. That's and why so, we started this podcast yeah, in the first place. So what are the most, let's, let's do cat. What are the most common cat related things that practice owners or veterinarians talk to you about? Can you parse out something? that seems to be a feline thing. I'm curious in all of what you hear. In, in terms of like health questions or just No, not necessarily health. Yeah, let's just talk sort of more generally and like, so I guess what I'm thinking of is, is the cat owning client any different from the dog owning client? I, I feel, and this is probably my perspective because I've been spending so much time in the online space. I, I think cat, owners so often express this feeling like hey an afterthought you know you're, you're a small little practice but you're so geared towards dog owners and, and their comfort that you I'm here but you haven't done anything specifically to acknowledge our needs and, and I, I think that's probably why we've been seeing such a resurgence of um, cat friendly practices cat only practices and it, it makes a huge difference mm. And it's like we were saying before with the reviews, people just want to be, they want to be seen and heard and they want to know that veterinarians are cognizant of the fact that these are not small, angry dogs. You know, they are yeah. their own beautiful, lovely thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that's really key, right? To making sure that that cat owner feels that, um, some, I've walked into a lot of clinics around the world, right? And very often when I walk in the front door, you'll see the message, we love dogs, because there's dog pictures and there's dog toys, right? And there's a, uh, the, the waiting room is laid out for dogs. She's the cat police. So yeah. she yes, comes the into police. the clinic. <laughs> so, she looks around with I this do. frown, and everybody gets find. really nervous. And yeah. then at the end, she has the list of like 30 things you need to change. Well, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> but, so the overarching message is, we love dogs. We'll see your cat too. It's okay. You can bring them. But we love dogs. Yes. Right. It's that type of thing. And I'm. I bet a lot of practice owners aren't really aware of the messaging that they're giving out. Right. Oh, not. At, I don't think wherever. Every. I, this is one thing I like to say. You know, you're always telling a story, whether or not you realize it. And half the time, it's not the one you want mm -hmm. to tell. Mm -hmm. And so it's very helpful sometimes for people to say, Hey, did you realize that you might have a slight anti-cat bias? And horrified like nobody wants that we love cat owners they're magnificent 
a lovely part of our clientele. Yeah. Uh, because I know people who own cat-only practices. I don't know anybody who has a dog-only practice. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that these cat-owners have value. Mm-hmm. So why not? Yeah. And cat-owners, um, in some, some surveys, and they're, they're fairly consistent, that cat-owners really like social media. You know, yes, they right? do. Yeah. I often say <laughs> dog-owners socialize at the dog park, but cat-owners socialize on Facebook. Right. So if you're thinking of social media strategies to get more cat owners in, like what type of things would you tell to your veterinary clients? You know, I I think um, it's just that those things that you said, like Mm. not making cats an afterthought and making Mm. an effort to um, not only talk about, you know, health topics that are important to them, but just uh, lifestyle issues. And one of the things that I always think about is, Everybody has this amazing, wonderful relationship with their pet, and it's it's very obvious and apparent to you, but to everybody else, all you see is sort of the animal in front of you. And we are really, really good at acknowledging and parsing that relationship that people share with dogs. I think we spend a lot of time doing that, but not so much with cats. And so it's not even about acknowledging the cat's health. It's about, are you sharing things that that let that let cat owners know you get it and you get what that cat means to you because mm. it's deep and, and lovely and beautiful mm. relationships and that's a little harder to do but as you know I, I feel like cat owners in particular are once they find that vet that they like like you are their person like we mm. are bonded and it's really important and lovely to cultivate that so yeah. I have a question for you about I'm a uh, I have a clinic and I'm focused too much on dogs and now I want to do something for cats and I want to write some blog in where I take examples of cats, how fantastic they are. Do you have some rules that a beginning blog writer, because you're an amazing writer and storyteller, uh, do you have some tips for how I should start writing a blog about cats? Yeah, you know, I that's one of the things that people struggle with the most because like I'm not a writer, I don't mm-hmm. know how to do that, and you, you don't have to be, you know, full story. You just have to be able to communicate clearly, and it works out well for you because when you're writing, kind of the shorter the better. And I, I think because we're we're veterinarians and we are trained to like always be in education mode, you just tend to be like, okay, feline diabetes. Here's the clinical signs, and here's how you treat it, which is the most boring thing. So I always. I always write about educational topics and what I call like a story sandwich. And so you think about a, a specific pet who had that condition or mm-hmm. even one you can just make up, but it's the idea that you have this specific pet. And so you start with your intro about that pet. Then you say the educational stuff you wanna say and then you just share the resolution. So you, you turn it into a story, even if it's educational. And that's the number one way mm-hmm. to get um, people engaged and that's the number one mistake that people make on their social media and their blogs is they don't make it personal. Um, they're not sharing pictures of pets from their clinic. They, you know, they just take their little stock photo of the cat with a disembodied oh. hand petting it, and it just oh, doesn't work. You've touched on one of my pet peeves: the stock photo. Uh, the worst. There's the some worst. hilarious ones too. You know, where they're <laughs> faking giving a vaccine and it is going into the face. Stabbing in the face. Maybe that's what she was Maybe going. Maybe that's what she means. That was or, me. Or actually. the stethoscope is over yeah. the over yeah. the back. And, yes. Yeah. It's so, Jessica's stock photo. It is. It's like, <laughs> That's what happened, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I always kind of laugh about that because when you talk about social media, there are some professions that really have to struggle to make engaging social media content. Like if you're an electrician, I think there's some reaching you have to do. And we are not that, we have the easiest job in the world 
and we don't do it. Like a stock photo. Like you literally have a parade yeah. of adorable animals and people who want nothing more than to have them be photographed. Yeah. It's not hard. Yeah. But there are some rules around it though we, that we should touch on, right? Oh, well, yes. You yeah. always need permission. Yeah, always need permission. Um, I, that was a struggle when I was working specifically in, in end-of-life hospice care. Um, you know, you have to know your time and place. And so while pet visits are the time to do it, you don't. Uh, there, there are some cases where people are really looking to engage and to share their story, but I would never solicit, hey, I know, well, I'm about to start the euthanasia. Um, do you mind if <laughs> Just I blog before this? Before he goes, yeah. you know, he, <laughs> yeah. can I take some Can I take a picture? <laughs> but people will do it to me. It was the weirdest oh, thing. Oh, really? When they take out the kid, oh, wait. And, or they would ask me to pose with their pet, like without them in it. And I'm yeah. like, ah. Oh, the clients. I, I know. The I thought that they did it when, when, when you had to use them as one of your own animals. That they said, oh, can I take a picture now? No. Oh. Like, we, I would go through the euthanasia or we would be, like, the pet had just been sedated. And they're like, oh, can I take a picture? I'm like, of course you can take a picture. It's like, oh, no, with you. Like, put your arm around me. I'm thinking, oh, goodness. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. I'm struggling with this. But yes. whatever you need, I'm here for you. Yeah. Even if it's this. Smile. So I went to the podcast movement. Um, you did? Which is a, a show that happens uh, now twice yearly, but it was really? once a year. Yeah. And it was amazing. And there was this uh, guy that was, did a podcast about air conditioners. And he had hundreds and thousands of people listening to his podcast so no. you can talk about anything there or you can if you have a good story and he was really funny and he was explaining things really funny so i was mesmerized by this guy talking about air conditioning that's a skill and and it's good yeah but that's that's what storytelling is it's Absolutely. a skill you have a podcast too can you talk a little bit about <laughs> I that do. yes speaking of which um so i have a podcast called what the woo and it, it started because I have a good friend who's a physician, or as we call them, human doctors. <laughs> yes, um, which is a little odd, isn't it? Are all doctors able to do that? Yes. So my human doctor friend and I um, would have these conversations just when we were out to dinner, talking about all the crazy things that we've seen online. And the rest of the group would, oh, after about five minutes, just get silent and just listen to us going back and forth. And we were finally like, I think we're funny. I'm not sure. Do you think we're funny? I'm like, let's try a podcast. And um, I, I've been told that we're funny, so we, we keep doing it. And it is really funny because, you know, I didn't listen to the first one. I think it was the second one. I was about colon things. And <laughs> I laughed so hard. I thought it was so funny. But the other thing is also informative. And what I like about it, because I never knew the difference between OD and MD. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought everybody was an MD, but then suddenly OD. And, and it's, it's, so there's a lot of information in there that is useful. But it's in a very funny way. And I love the fact that you, on the one hand, you have the veterinarian. On the other hand, you have the medical doctor. And they come from a different direction, but they talk kind of the same. And it is the same stuff that we deal with that they deal with. And probably that dentists deal with and that, you know, everybody that is in the professional. Yeah, yeah. You know, it all sort of comes down to communication. And, and I think this common frustration that we have when you... We all got into this field because we truly, truly, truly care about the health of our patients, whatever capacity that's in. And it is so frustrating when somebody says something that's incorrect, that that's frustrating, but when somebody does it and they bookend it with, and this health professional is a garbage person who's just trying to, you know, throw a, throw a loop over you and, and soak you, but I'm gonna save you with my coconut oil tincture. And it's just, yeah. 
You know, you turn into that person who doesn't want to respond. I really want to take you down. But it's unsafe too, right? That's what oh, worries yes. me. A thousand percent. Yeah, it's it's the um, uh, uh, horrible outcomes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's you know a human patient or a veterinary patient, right? Yes, and, yeah. and those are those are very very real. There was um, uh, one of the first ones that made me sort of inspired to continue to start this podcast was a a blogger in Australia who said she had cured herself of I don't know if it was a sarcoma or melanoma with a raw diet. And then it turns out she had, she never had cancer at all. But in the meantime, there were many, many people who died because they discontinued their chemotherapy mm. on her recommendation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How do we, how would you suggest that we talk to pet owners who fall into that group, right? Because they're usually well-intentioned. Always. Right? And they're well-intentioned, but yes. they're, they're just not working with all of the information that they need. So how do we have a dialogue with them? I, I think one of the reasons that what it comes to pseudoscientists have, have been so extraordinarily successful in ways that we haven't is they always lead with the client and they say, I'm going to empower you to make the right decisions. And so oftentimes we come in and say, I know what to do. This is what you need to do. Just go along with it. And it's just a little bit of a mindset tweak, but you always have to lead with them and be like, hey, I, I know this is so, so important to you and you have to build that trust right it, it all starts with trust and i think we we assume that our education automatically creates that trust and it doesn't mm. if they believe that you have their best interests at heart and you've put the decision making power in their hands then the rest of it is so easy because you don't have to convince them to listen to you when they they trust your intentions that's a great approach because it if you go the I know what's best you need to follow me you're immediately in an adversarial position absolutely yeah. absolutely and when you look at it sort of from a storytelling framework when you have you know the hero has a problem and the guide helps them solve it and then there's this villain in the case the way that it's sort of set up right now when you look at those people that are selling the crazy things they all, they've set up the veterinarian as the villain the veterinarian or big pharma big pet food like those are the bad guys that are standing between you and your health and I'm going to empower you by telling you what you need to do. And it's it's just a mindset switch. All we It's very, very easy for us to get back in that place, but it does require us to let go of our egos a little bit and understand that we are the guide in their journey. That's a really good way to put it, yeah. So do you think that applies to um, anti-vaccination mindsets as well? Because that's a particularly tough one on the human medicine side, right? That's proving to be a particularly tough one. And we do see some of that trickle into uh, veterinary medicine too. Oh, a thousand percent. And it's it's fascinating. I've actually been reading a lot about how, how physicians are handling that because it's a public health crisis, right? And I, I think what they realize is the people that are on the extreme end, it, it's almost like a religious is a faith-based thing. Facts aren't gonna matter. But what happens is that's actually a, a truly small percentage of the population, but they're convincing enough where there's this huge group of people in the middle that are just vaccine uncertain. And, and those are the people we need to focus on. And we, we waste so much time focusing on who we consider to be the influencers and it's, it's wasted effort. And so I talk around those people and, and I address myself directly at the people in, in the middle and help them understand, not the science behind it, understand why they need to, to trust where I'm coming from. And that approach has worked really, really well for me 
for for the past 10 years and you know I have people emailing me all the time asking me to double check or to verify what their veterinarians telling them and I always say well why would you know, your vet sounds like they have it well in hand and that makes them so happy like they just want to know and they have no reason to trust me other than the fact that they've known me and and they believe in their heart of hearts that I'm going to give them an answer based on their pet's best interest. And if I can do it, I don't have any special skills. I just don't shut up. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've been for so long. That's all it takes. Yeah. It, the bar is really low, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No surgery hands. No yeah. surgery hands. Why is it little fingers? Extraordinarily <laughs> successful. Just yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's a really good point, though, mm. to recognize which people, whether it's the raw food debate or the anti-vaccine debate or, you know, whatever the debate is, right, to recognize those people that are really um, at one end, extreme end, because they have a vested interest in staying there. Yes. And those are the people that we, we all waste too much time over. Yes. And, and I think that we tend to feel that the people who are like the sheep who are following them, we tend to feel like they're the same as the uh, people who have the you know the more religious uh, mindset approach, but they're not necessarily like that. Mm. I like that term, like the vaccine uncertain. Is that what you call yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that term, and and that probably holds true for pet owners too. You know, because we have some inflammatory debates, like the raw food debate. Mm -hmm. There's one. Um, even within cats, is dry food bad or dry food good? I've you know I I get asked that all the time. So, and the problem is, you know that. That's the reason that we're the experts, right? We spend so much time learning and understanding the science. And I think the people in the middle, like they don't want to get into the weeds. They really don't have the capacity to understand it. They, they're they not trying to figure out what science do I need. They're trying to figure out which expert do I trust. Yeah. Um, and once they trust you, they'll take it on faith that, that you're telling them the right thing. Yeah. It has to do with fear too. I mean, I think, you know, if you don't trust someone, your fear gets, gets intensified. And so you're fearful that something bad will happen to your pet or your kid. And that's fed in by information that you get. And so if you don't have anybody that can balance that fear or that can say, hey, don't, don't worry about this. And these are the consequences if you don't, then, then people will probably go for the fear mongering and, and, and try to feel better because they did that now and now the kid won't get autism or whatever yeah. it is. No, it is it's extraordinarily effective um, you know psychological maneuvering of people and and they do you sort of get that defensive like ah you get so mad when you see that happening right and and the reason they're so effective at it is it's very very easy to be very certain and sure of yourself when you're just making stuff up um, yeah. and it's much more difficult to have that then I see that so often with medical professionals because we're so specific it's like well you know like we never want to give them any sort of certainty even if it's like 95 percent mm -hmm. certain we always have to emphasize that five percent yeah. and that's not comforting to people yeah um, so you will never win on that confidence front that's just not who we are so you have to win on, on trust and intention that's a really good way to frame it yeah to work on building the trust and the rest hopefully will work itself out right it and, will. and you'll become that influencer Yep. And this is a great end of the oh, podcast. Wow. I know it's crazy. Where does the time I go? Know. It I is know. a good high note to end on. Yeah. Yes, this yeah. is yeah. wonderful. You guys can do this. It's oh. good. Yes, you can do it. Yeah, I think you gave some great tips and mm -hmm. some approaches that help people flip their mindset, right? And and try to go with something that'll be a little more successful. And so. we covered quite a lot of topics. We did. Mm -hmm. Yay. 
Yes. So this was a great podcast. So thank you so much. Thank yes. you. And what shouldn't we forget? We should not forget to remind people that we have a great website mm-hmm. called perpodcast.net. Mm-hmm. And you can see all of our episodes and who was on them. And you can listen online from the website if you want. And you can rate us. Oh, yes, you can yes. rate us. Yes. We yes. like that. Yes, we do like that. But we may have to call Dr. V if we don't get a good rating. I we'll, know. We'll ask know. Dr. V to respond. No, as a, right. as a matter of fact. I'll just Dr. respond to your moron. Why did you not rate it five stars? It's brilliant. Yeah. Dr. V promised us that she would share with us some of the standard answers that you could give. Yeah. yeah. And that's awesome because I think we could all. Uh, use a little help yeah. in these difficult situations because the interesting thing was I just did a 360 uh, evaluation which we have to do for the company now and then and one of the things that came out of the 360 and I'm now opening it up for the whole world is that I shouldn't take things too personal mm. and it's true because we all do we all do so I'm happy that that came out because I'm, I have to remind myself that you know Whatever you do, uh, you do because you think it's the right thing to do, and you should not think always like you know, you know. But we're it's all my human. Fault. Uh, that's all that's human. exactly it. So yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing yes. sharing that. That is amazing. Um, social media social at Kerr Podcast, and we have a newish podcast. Yeah, here. the Cat Cafe Podcast, mm-hmm. and, and we're very excited about it. So. We are, and it has. Um, uh, themes and and uh, guests that really speak more to the the cat owner or the cat care caregiver, yeah. uh, rather than the veterinary team. So check it out. Check it out and goodbye and thank you. Thank you. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at Cat Pet Susan. Dr. Jurel Kerpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVE. TSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast. 